Would you please join me for prayer? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may please be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Not too long ago, Pastor Trevor put a book on my desk, and it's good to have a young pastor around because he reads new books, and old pastors read old books, and my book uh, library gets a little bit crusty, but Pastor Trevor, he says, I got a book you got to read. Okay. And he was right. He gave me a book called Great Faith by two researchers up in the Oxnard area named David Kinneman and uh, Gabe Lyons. And, and the book's subtitle is pretty cool. It's called Being a Christian When Society Thinks You're Irrelevant and Extreme. And sometimes I feel like that. And it, it used to be that the pastor walked into the hospital room or the place or the, the hospital, and the pastor parked in the red zone, and they said, Pastor, you got to get to the person. And now they say, uh, the clergy spot, clergy, what's clergy? What are you? And, you know, you, people wonder, say, Pastor, why don't you wear a black shirt with a collar and all that stuff? And I say, you just don't do that anymore because... The whole thing with the kids and the, you gotta, and sometimes people look up and don't even know Christians and they say, you're a Christian, you stand for Christ, you must be crazy. And so Trevor's book that he shot my direction was fascinating to me. And my thing on, two, on Mondays now is that I, 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 I go down and I have, uh, take a book or a sermon thing and I, and I go down to the, the bakery and have a bowl of French onion soup and I eat soup for lunch almost every day because that's what tastes good and you can only eat a little bit and all that stuff. And I like skinny Tim better than fat Tim and that's a different sermon for another day. But... And by the way, I finally got over on those birds. People ask me about the great blue heron in my backyard. Before I got a whole bunch of nice new fish, I got nets overall. Anyway, that's another sermon for another day, too. With pictures. I got pictures of that. <laughs> the authors talk about what it is to live in a time where the church is pushed and prodded out of the center of society. Where instead of the pastor standing up and the church standing up and saying, this is what we believe and this is who we are, and everyone going, ooh. Now you say, this is what we are, and this is who we are, and people say, whatever. And I think about that stuff a lot over French onion soup and a good book, like the book Pastor Trevor gave to me. I think about that stuff a lot. Because I want to leave uh, the pulpit eventually better than I found it. And with young people behind us and leaders behind us who are saying, let's go, let's pick up the torch, and let's rock. Rather than taking all of the air and out of the resources out of the balloon, I want to leave the, the, the church, at least in orange, to, to be better than how it was given to me. And it was given to me in pretty good shape. So. But this book is, is, is powerful. In the book, the author talks about when Abraham Lincoln gave his second inaugural address on March, March 4th, 1865. And in that address, President Lincoln used three biblical allusions. He used an allusion from Genesis. He used one from Matthew 18 when he said, Woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. And again, President Lincoln used a scripture verse from Psalm 19. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And everyone knew what President Lincoln was talking about. 
There were not people who shook their heads and said, he's bringing religion into the public square and the president needs to shut his mouth because religion is here and and government is here and it's separation church from state. But rather when people heard Lincoln in 1865, they shook their heads because they had a, a shared center. There was an accepted core of understanding that the people nodded their heads and said, right, the Bible and Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount. And But if he were to give that address today and to stand up and say, the word of the Lord says from Matthew 18, immediately the tweeting universe would go berserk. President Clinton said these words, Easter demonstrates that good conquered evil, hope overcame despair, and life triumphed over death. God's only Son brought the assurance of God's love and presence in our lives and the promise of salvation. President Clinton went on to say, Jesus is the true light that illumines all mankind. Wow. Can you imagine our leaders saying that this afternoon. We lost our shared center. That, 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 that peace that the whole nation, the whole Western nods their head and says that's right. We share that. This story, this commonality, these values, this narrative, we, we own that. This is who we are. When you ask me who I am, I'm shaped by this common shared core of stuff. And that core of stuff links us together when we may not have a lot in common, yet this core links society and church and family and even internal goodwill about self links it all together. And maybe one of the reasons society is so fractured in the West is because we've lost that shared core. And if we've lost our shared center, as it feels like, What do we as Christians do and how do we act to be what Jesus said, the salt of the earth and the light of the world? And then these words from our text today, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And verse 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Maybe the shared core isn't about our politics, but it's about our faith. When Gabe Lyons and Dave Kinnaman did uh, research about 15 years ago, they came out with a book called Unchristian. And they said the two indictments of the church going forward was that the church was judgmental and hypocritical. And the data that went behind that was surreal. It affected my preaching and the way I look and think of things, especially speaking publicly. What if Christians, instead of being so worried about our politics, were more worried about loving one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Fascinating to think about. There's something that music does to the soul that that, that moves me in a different way, especially when you guys sing. 
right? How redundant of me to say, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, when that's a part of the service this morning from you all. When they sing, when Dr. Heidi and Charlie play, and when Alex conducts and plays, when the handbells are going like so many piston pumps, there's something that that does to the soul. It's not my brain. My brain ticks 8,000 RPMs, and it's hard to kind of gear my brain down. But music will do that. And music allows me to process in here rather than in here. And when I think of the greatest things of life, like faith and hope and love, music feeds all of that for me. I don't preach a good sermon every Sunday. (laughs) Pretty close, right? (laughs) But you sing beautifully every Sunday. Every Thursday night they practice. They're here on Friday nights, Good Friday. They're here till 1 1 a.m. on uh, Christmas Eve. They're here for the concerts. They're here for special things. And what you don't know about the choir, because you don't hear it in their voices, but you see it when you watch them care for one another, is that this is probably one of the richest places for community in our whole church. I think of three places where that that love of Christ is extended, right? If we love one another, one is at Celebrate Recovery Saturday nights. And that love in Celebrate Recovery is raw and people are close to one another. And I think of our schools, when when something happens, like is going on with one of our teachers with her husband having cancer, you watch the the whole community come around in love. And our choir, what you guys do to love and care for each other is phenomenal. And that's rehearsed not just Thursday nights, but in the community that you share. And it's reflected in the manner and the sacrifice in which you serve. And for the love that you shared for us, we are deeply deeply grateful. It comes from a shared center. It comes from a shared center. And the whip and chair that Dr. Heidi uses when they practice, but that's another sermon as, as well. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus is our shared center. He is the peace that leads us back to to this commonality, to having something that is so grand and so great that unites us, that all of the things that orbit around that would seek to divide us can't penetrate. And the church and individual congregations are the last best hope of a shared center in the world. It's amazing that Jesus didn't start in the center of of the world. He could have started in Rome and just brought it and said, you know what, Caesar, I defy you, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't. He could have went to Alexandria, which at that time was an enormous city with an enormous library and tons of influence, but he didn't. Jesus went to a backwater place called Jerusalem, and there he completed his ministry, living and dying and rising again for you and me. Showing that the verses and the message that he gave, that love comes from sacrifice, were real. Every morning when I wake up and shave, I got to look at Big Tim in the mirror. Well, Skinny Tim in the mirror. It was Big Tim that went for the surgery, but but you got to look in the mirror. You got to look at yourself. And you've got to answer that question, who am I and what am I all about? Everybody works to answer those two existential questions. What is my life? What is the value? What is the meaning of my life? 
the shared core with Jesus at the core says, when I look at myself in the mirror, I see a child of God, not a random series of events that made me who I am. I see intent and I see the hand of, of, of something bigger than me leading, leading me in my life. I know that I am loved of God, that I am created unique. I know that my sins and my shortcomings don't define me, but that the love of Jesus Christ defines me. And from that core, my life finds meaning and purpose, and I find fulfillment and satisfaction. And the very best things of life grow from that core. And I love that piece. That in the cross of Christ, the shepherd who died for the sheep shows us the greatest love that could ever be. A love that centers not on hypocrisy and judgment, but on forgiveness and grace. We are loved of God. And that shared story is so powerful. Love that. And it allows us to operate in a church. Those who have been called out from darkness to light, from fear to courage, from unbelief to faith. Because we look at one another as children of God. Instead of looking and saying, in the inside of this church, I got, well, you're a knucklehead and you're a knucklehead, but you're nice. And I like, I can get something from you and I can leverage that from you. Rather than that as our shared core, kind of an if-then thing, right? I'll love you if, I'll love you when, I'll love you maybe. Rather, we look at one another and behold one another as sons and daughters of the Most High. If I'm loved of God and you're loved of God then we got to be close. That's what makes the church so beautiful and so painful at the same time. Because we're called to get along. We're called to love one another and we're called to care for one another and to be good to one another because we have a shared center in Jesus Christ. And for families and friendship, it's that shared core and that value system that keeps us strong and, and tightly knit together. We don't quit when it gets hard. Rather, we rally around one another when it gets hard because we are dearly loved of God. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Part of that is being church. And then there's the hard part. The part that the Hindus can't share with us, that the Buddhists can't share with us, that the Muslims don't share with us, that, 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 is, that is unique to Christianity. And that's the love for those we don't like and that hate us. When Jesus said that, everyone must have stopped and been stone silent. I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What? We get loving ourselves and getting that. We get loving families. But love those who hate you and pray for those who are your enemy. Are you nuts, Jesus? No. No, but if you have a shared core and you're strong and stable in the middle because of who God has made you to be and you have a community of people around you like this enormous loving army, then you can love those who are unlovable and those who don't like you. And what would it look like if the church, instead of rising up with spears and guns and political power, rose up with grace and kindness and softness and love? And they'd say, those people are crazy. Did you see what they did? That's the impact of a great faith. 
That's an impact of, of loving people. So this morning is Music Ministry Sunday, and we give thanks for, for your love. This afternoon at 2 o'clock, Pastor Trevor, who gave me this fantastic book and encourages me, and I encourage him, he's got eighth graders coming to be confirmed. They're going to sit all the way back to Chuck and Dave. They're going to be here, and, and they're crazy. Remember when you were confirmed? No, I don't. I'm not quite that old. But... <laughs> That was David. I was messing with him. But they're going to be here. We're going to stand up. We're going to ask him, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And they're going to go, I believe in Jesus Christ. <laughs> do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God. Do you believe in the Spirit? I believe in the Spirit. Would you suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from the faith? If so, answer, I will with the help of God. And they will thunder out, I will. We will with the help of God. And we'll lay our hands on them and we'll bless them. And we'll, we'll, we'll say together, we have a shared core. And I think our congregation loves young people in a way that a lot of churches don't have an opportunity to. Officially, we love them with program from 7.30 to about 7 o'clock every day. God has seen fit to bless our schools and to bless them with growth and leadership and with teachers and faculty members who care for them and love them. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Confirmation is an opportunity to love young people. And love is exercised in service. There's been a gentleman kind of orbiting our church and Calvary Church in Santa Ana for about five or six years. His name is Steve. Steve is blind. Glaucoma took his vision and comes to Tuesday morning Bible study and he bops in and out of church. I had the privilege to pray for him right here with our healing service. And, and the guys have come around him and love him deeply. Yesterday was the Love Orange Project. Pastor Nathan led a citywide event and crews worked across the city. Our piece was helping rehab Steve's house up in Villa Park. As you can imagine, when you're blind, some of the stuff eludes you. And over the course of the last two months, 50 of our people have been up helping Steve get his house ready to be sold. Helping him with his trust. Helping him find confidence and connection and community so he'll be okay and be strong in his life. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples that you love one another, that you have the shared center of love. This Tuesday evening, we have our congregational assembly where we get to meet together to affirm and push forward in our, in, in our, in our ministry together. We take a moment to pause and reflect on the shared center of St. John's in Orange, who is Jesus the Christ. We meet to celebrate, question, elect, affirm, budget, and affirm that our mission here is to deliver the, to deliver the restorative hope of Jesus and that we are a congregation of love and grace and kindness. That when people come in and say, your congregation is extreme and you nutty Christians are irrelevant, that when they come in here, they say, you are the nicest people I have ever seen. And I'd love to be ticked off at you, but... You helped that guy and did this and we're there for this and there for that. And when my kid needed this, you provided that. And then you went to Mexico to build homes and then you, you put a playground in the middle of nowhere in Kenya and sent 125,000 meals, really? Why would you do that? 
Well, because by this, all people will know that we are his disciples. That we love one another. It's that easy. It's that simple. Because people with a shared center make an enormous impact in the world. I look forward to the day when the president will be able to stand up like President Lincoln and President Clinton and reflect a marvelous sense of Christian faith as a shared center of the nation. But I'm not going to wait for that to happen. I'm not going to sit back and say, well, someday when this happens, then the church will be at the center and it'll all be great again. Because quite honestly, I don't believe that's true. And I honestly don't believe that's going to happen in my lifetime. But our calling of God is to keep on moving and keep on loving so that all people will know that we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and that that shared center makes us dynamic, powerful, and unable to be silenced and defeated. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Join me in prayer. Lord, I could preach forever this morning. Thank God I can't do it or mess. I'll mess everything up. But grant us that shared center as a church. Grant that we look in the mirror, we see child of God. Grant that where we are beat up and tired, that in you and in community, we find healing and restoration. Grant that our impact in this city would be one that is dynamic that if St. John stepped back out of the city life, that people would say, you've got to be kidding me. Where is St. John's orange? Grant us an indomitable spirit. Grant us every ounce of energy towards that mission and that task. Every resource, every person, every leader, every opportunity that there is to sing a beautiful song of love and make an impact <laughs> for ourselves, for our loved ones, and for those who don't know us and are nervous about us, grant us peace that passes all understanding. Because indeed, Lord Jesus, we are loved by you. It's in your name we pray.